Well, I believe it was a radical self-expression. I just called a friend one day and said, let's burn a man on the beach. Let's burn a man on the beach. Let's burn a man on the beach. What up, what up? This is Evan Shulman. And Steve Robbins. And this is... Burning Man, Burning According Man, to According Us. According to Us. Oh, that was well synced this time. <laughs> Only from your end. From my end, it was especially unsynced. <laughs> happiness, oh, no, okay. is, happiness is the internet three-second delay across the country. Yes, the speed of light does take some times at times. Um, Steve, are you covered in uh, digital playa dust? Have you gotten all the digital playa dust out of all your gear? What's the what's the latest post the multiverse burn? Dude, I I went to get out my t-shirt this morning and I shook it out and man, there was digital dust everywhere. It got into all of the cracks. It clogged up my computer. The entire place just stinks like digital playa dust. Were you able to try and do like a control A to select all and then um control x to cut it out or oh yeah and then i just created a firewall unlike the ones in california that actually burn you know hundreds of thousands of acres worth of brush firewalls here just you know keep the keep the digital playa dust from getting on too many of my clothes and interfering with work meetings and things like that because yes this, understood this year you could actually be in a work meeting simultaneously with being in the playa i'm not sure that was mentally healthy in fact i'm fairly sure it wasn't but you could do it if you really wanted to Yes, and lest we forget that we are in the middle of a pandemic and uh, the west coast of the U.S. is basically on fire from California all the way up to Washington. Um, and in the midst of all this, uh, with you know people trying to figure out and just live their lives, Burning Man still happened in the digital world. And uh, we were able to jump on. And it was a very interesting experience, even though it wasn't, uh, yeah, seven to ten days away from uh, the rest of, quote-unquote, the default world. Yes, Absolutely. So the way that it worked this year is there were, I don't even know how many, there were a bunch of multiverses that were online. The Burning Man organization put out a call to people and said, hey, create create Burning Man. And it was really kind of a brilliant idea. The theme this year was the multiverse, and it had been set way before COVID. So it was a very fortunate coincidence that that they were that they actually were able to create a multiverse in the sense of having different groups of artists create different entire digital playas and some of which made it some of which weren't done <laughs> they, I, there, yeah. was, there was one that i don't think ever got done um and yeah. uh, and these were available for people to play and frolic in some of them are still available or at least portions of them are and in fact that's one of the interesting things we're going to talk about a little bit is the notion of transience and impermanence which is part of running man However, this year, parts of it are going to live on past the event, and that's just kind of interesting. Definitely, yeah. And I thought, I think there are maybe like seven universes uh, that were created, seven or eight. But yeah, just it seemed like there were more and more. I would keep getting emails like, oh, we haven't launched yet. Oh, now we've launched. And I got confused between a couple of them. So I really only played around in two. Um, but I think from some of the ones that you know, I signed up when you have a you know, sign up with your email, and then they start sending you uh, basically email newsletters. A couple of them have said, yeah, we're looking to, you know, kind of um, continue this in, in some way, shape, or form as a place for the, you know, community to, to keep convening. Although it will be interesting because, you know, depending on access, like if you had a VR headset, if you didn't have a VR headset, or, you know, what, what platform you enjoyed the most, it kind of did, I guess, segment the community a little bit. Um, and so if the community's if these platforms are going to continue online, I wonder if it will kind of continue to segment into uh, the the haves and the have-nots, the VR haves and the and the have-not VRs, um, VR have-nots. You know what? Let's let's explore that, but let's be a little bit methodical because I think one of the things that that we probably want to talk about f first is I'd like to just know what your favorite universe is, and then we can then we can delve a little bit more into into does it make sense to keep these beyond the end of the event? And what about what about radical inclusion has to do with can you afford a $700 headset and mm -hmm. so on and so forth? 
Yeah, yeah. And and so for me, the favorite world, it's interesting because, you know, there were the seven that were announced or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's a lot. Like, which one should I sign up for? I think I had seen some like posts on social media about a couple of them. And so when I was actually organizing some of my friends to go, because um, I was like, hey, you know, it's digital this year. It's super easy. And you can kind of check out what I've been talking about. Um, you know, I was like, hey, like, let's sign up for these three. These are the ones that I've kind of seen more of on social media and seem like they have some, uh, like they're going to happen and, you know, it'll be an interesting experience. And, um, so I jumped on to one of them on day one on Sunday and this universe was called Sparkleverse that I had, you know, seen some videos of and I was like, oh yeah, like this one we should check out. And, um, it was really interesting because it was kind of from the ground up built for this experience. It wasn't like, a already existing VR world. It wasn't an already existing kind of community platform. Um, So they built it from the ground up. However, on day one, it was super buggy, super, super buggy, super laggy. Um, And, you know, I have a little bit of like a tech background and have worked in this. And it's very hard to pull off uh, large scale software or web web, uh, application um, project on a very short time. So this is not to, uh, you know, no gripes against Sparkleverse because it's an impressive accomplishment. And, and, you know, anyone who made any of these worlds, a lot of the developers were in the world actively like fixing things and improving things throughout the week. And so it did it did improve by the end of the week. But just that first day I was in there, it was almost unusable. And I went on with some of my friends, but I was able to find a camp. And so I clicked in to join Camp Co-Reality in the Sparkleverse and was kind of just getting familiar with that experience. And, you know, when you jump into the camp, they kind of have a nice um, kind of photo background and some different rooms you can click on. It it reminded me almost of like early internet days where, you know, with super low bandwidth on your 56K modem, it loads up a picture and a couple places that you can like click on the picture to jump into another link. It was kind of like that. Um, And one of the rooms I clicked on for Camp Co-Reality in the Sparkleverse opened up the website for Camp Co-Reality. And so I was kind of reading a little bit more about that. And um, and then on the website for Camp Co-Reality, they were like, hey, these are the universes we're in. Come join us in Sparkleverse. That's the one I just came from. Come join us in Build-A-Burn. And I had heard of Build-A-Burn, but everything that I saw and heard before um, uh, the multiverse kicked off, the burn week kicked off, you know, it was like on the very lower end of my list. I was like, oh, I don't really know much about this. You know, it, it doesn't look like VR. It doesn't look, you know, sleek, sexy, that type of thing. But I clicked to join Camp Co-Reality in Build-A-Burn. And this is built on a, a platform called uh, uh, Topia. Like and Utopia, but without the U. Yes, Utopia or um, Protopia or any type of Topia. Dystopia? Um, dystopia, perhaps, yeah. Um and I was super pleasantly surprised by the experience. It was very simple, very easy to use. Uh, didn't have the same type of like laggy uh, aspects. There were, you know, there was still a little bit of issues with it, but from from the get go, it was really easy to use, and um, uh, that ended up being my favorite. Partly because I didn't have a VR headset. Like I checked out uh, AltSpace, which is where they had um, VRC VR, uh, Black Rock City VR. Um, but I was just looking at it on my 2d laptop. And so, you know, okay, it was interesting, but I basically went back to build a burn like every day of the week, whenever I had some time to pop in. Um, and so that was kind of by far my, my favorite experience. And I can, I can tell some more stories about that as we go on. But what, what about you, Stever? Well, so when I started, first of all, I was really a skeptic of the entire online idea. Let me be clear (laughs) about that. To me, the, a critical piece of, of Burning Man is how immersive it is. And the notion that you could do something online and get that same feeling of community and spontaneity, um, I will say that it exceeded my expectations. I still don't think I'm going to ever skip. the. If I have the option of going to the live burn, I doubt I would ever skip the live burn in favor of the virtual burn. But the virtual burn was surprisingly cool. Um, uh, so several of so the the one that I saw that appeared to have the best graphics was one called Multiverse that ran on my phone and you couldn't experience it directly from a desktop you could experience it from a phone or an Oculus headset I don't have a four hundred dollar headset and my phone is five point five inches so although <laughs> it appeared quite gorgeous in the three inches of screen real estate that were dedicated to the view and not to the controls. 
um, I found it just to be completely like just inaccessible because of of the of the device interface. It re- it would have been far better as a desktop app kind of thing. Mm. Uh, so there were two that I concentrated on. At the beginning, it was well, I tried to use Sparkleverse, and I ran into the problems you mentioned, and I basically just never went back. Mm. I went there; it was it was laggy. I couldn't really get anything to work, so I was like, okay, whatevs. And I there was one called Infinite Playa, which from the videos and the advertisement looks absolutely amazing, but it wasn't open until very late in the week. In fact. It wasn't, I didn't discover that it was open until the last day of the burn. And frankly, at that point, they it, it was pretty expensive too. Now, let's be clear, Burning Man itself is a multi-thousand dollar commitment if you're going to have to fly, which I do, and ship all of my stuff across the country. But the but it was it was weird because one of the big principles of Burning Man really is the gift economy and that you're not thinking about money. And the two or three times I went to the Infinite Playa website, I just looked at it. It was like, you know, $20 for two hours and $150 for 24 hours. And I was like, that's just so much money. Like, you know, if you're going, if you're going to yeah. pull me back into the world of commerce, then I'm going to be pretty darn picky about it, you know? And, and, and I would have to pay this money without actually seeing what it's like beforehand and how many other people are going to pay it. So, uh, so I did not end up ever trying the Infinite Playa. Uh, there was a second life burn in Second Life. Mm, that's the, right. We were talking about that on the last episode. Yep. And I went and I tried that a couple of times. And frankly, Second Life still has an interface from 2004. I have no idea why they haven't updated it, but it is so slow and so clunky compared to like any current online multiplayer game. Like it's just amazing how bad it is. Uh, mm. So uh, I tried wandering around some, and the controls were so much so difficult to use. Uh, as a newbie, I mean, maybe you eventually get used to them, but it was so difficult to use, it completely took me out of the experience. And I ended up thinking, well, if I want to fight with a computer that isn't quite working, I can do that any day of the week. I don't know to go. To, I don't need to go to Virtual Burning Man to to struggle with my technology. So, uh, uh, so where I ultimately ended up was in Build-A-Burn, the same mm-hmm. one that you just mentioned. And Build-A-Burn is interesting because even as Burning Man is this immersive experience, Build-A-Burn is probably the least immersive of all of the platforms. Mm-hmm. It is, I mean, you're looking at a picture, uh, a, a, and it's kind of line drawings. I mean, it's, it's, it's line drawings, black and white, of just a few different elements of the playa, some tents, a couple of art projects, and you wander around and you're this tiny little, you're, you have a tiny little colored avatar, and when you start to get close to other people, their webcam and microphone fades in. So it starts off just you know very dim and white and very, very, very soft. And as you get closer, the picture gets clearer and the audio gets louder. So it really has the feeling of walking up to someone or walking up to a group of people. And I walked up to some people. And again, initially I was like, you know, eh, is any part of Burning Man culture going to be able to successfully translate to online? And one of the parts that successfully translated is at the burn, you can kind of just walk up and start talking to people. Mm-hmm. And you could on this too. It was fabulous. Like you could just wander over and people would be like, you know, hey, so-and-so, how you doing? And the next thing you know, you have a new friend for life. And in fact, <laughs> I I mean, the first night that I was on Build-A-Burn, I met this group of people and we talked about this, the different things that we do. And like next year, I'm going to go by their theme camp and help them out with a bunch of stuff. And if they're ever, you know, in Boston, I've already offered them a place to stay. And it's really cool. We had that same sort of Burning Man bonding experience in Build-A-Burn that, we, that I get in daily life. And uh, I do know the, the creators of Build-A-Burn who were in it the whole time and we're talking, they built it for Burning Man. They were trapped at home for COVID and they figured, what the hell, let's build this thing. However, they're keeping the platform open as a thing where people can build uh, can build meeting spaces and they're going to try to make a go of it as a business. And it's interesting. It's a lot nicer in some ways than Zoom. Um, among other things, first of all, it's peer-to-peer networking and encrypted, which means there's no central server that your data goes through, so no one can eavesdrop on your conversation. Uh, And I really like the casual drop-in, drop-out, mingle aspect. Like, you could do a full-on networking event with with this technology. Um, And it's cool. In fact, I've already started building my own world just to play around with it and see how it works. 
And it's, um, I felt like it was a little bit of burner culture right here in cyberspace. And that was pretty cool. Totally. I, I 100% agree. It was that aspect of, you know, super simple, easy to use. And then, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast, and this is kind of the ethos of the, the Burning Man product overall. Like, you know, people say, it's not a festival. It's not a festival, right? It's it's a community, right? And the community is the people and the principles and the mindset and what that what type of environment that creates. And so, you know, to your point, this type of event attracts a certain type of people that are curious or interested in wanting to take the time to go to the desert one, but in this case also go, you know, instead of playing a video game or streaming something at home, uh, jumping onto a open platform to explore and have conversations. And, um, and you can just kind of pick, pick right up with almost anyone on, on having an interesting conversation. And I, I didn't, find any like, you know, people trolling or someone who is brand new to the experience and just dropping in. And it was, everything was very, um, open and refreshing. And there were some people I met that, you know, had never been to a burn before. And some of my friends had never been to a burn before that, you know, I explored with, but we would explore on build a burn and just kind of have conversations and talk about the different like art and the camps. And, um, that actually brings me to, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, and one of the cool things about Build-A-Burn is you could create multiple worlds and link them together. So one of the things that was really fun, uh, there was a there was somebody who created a little icon of a sock way up in the middle of nowhere on the Build-A-Burn the Build-A-Burn platform. And if you wandered over and clicked on this sock, it would trans transmute you to the sock drawer. <laughs> And the sock drawer became this major social hangout. Like there were more people at times in the sock drawer than there were people in the main part of the build a burn burn. Um, and it was it was really yeah. I mean, you had that same thought of exploration. The other thing with build a burn is you're only looking into a window on the world that you've connected up to. So if that world is you know is is. 4,000 pixels by 4,000 pixels or whatever, and you're looking at a 200 pixel by 200 pixel square, and I don't, you know, I'm making these numbers up, whatever the, the numbers mm-hmm. are, you actually have to travel and wander around to discover stuff. And, you know, and that's cool. So there really was this element of like, oh, let's go to the sock drawer and see what's there. Oh, look, if you keep going south past the maze, then you, wait, the maze? There's a maze? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to go south and then really far west. You know, it's just on the other side of the giant mannequin. And I'm like, are we in the same world? <laughs> I, I was up here looking at the comfy chair, you know? Um, and that's and that's another way that they kind of were able to recreate, at least, you know, I felt recreate like the experience of being on the playa of, um, yeah, that kind of whimsy and curiosity and mystery and your your aiming to go one place and then you come across someone who's like, oh, but have you checked out this place? Or, oh, there's this event going on. And just kind of that, you know, exploring vibe. And uh, we we had an episode f- that was on our art walk last year where Steve and I met on Playa and we kind of walked around. And, you know, we didn't intend to go to any of those art pieces, really. It just, you see something that looks interesting and you head over there and you have some conversations. And um, and I think that that was kind of recreated with, uh, with Build-A-Burn and all the different kind of portals to different camps or different art pieces. And um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought they did a really good job. So if you're listening to this and you want to check out that, that platform, I don't know what they have up on there now, but you can go to topia.io. So T-O-P-I-A.io. And who knows, you might be able to get in and explore one of their virtual environments. Although I think they're taking the actual virtual burn down. I don't, I don't know how long that's going to be, that's going to remain there. Yeah, we'll we'll put something in the show notes about it because um, the actual burn is at topia.io slash burn. And that's where kind of the main playa was that you could then connect to other ones. Um, and yeah, two, two quick stories for me about kind of, uh, I guess, serendipity on the playa and how the digital experience made me feel the, the Burning Man magic still. Um, the ver- that very first night, that Sunday night when I jumped on, and ended up through Camp Co-Reality landing in Build-A-Burn. I was just exploring, checking it out, walked up to the virtual man, the digital man, which is, uh, yeah, everything's like pencil sketched in. So it's this beautiful pencil sketch of a, of a man. And um, I was at the foot of the burn and someone walks in and uh, 
and we just get to talking and he's he was based in uh, Hong Kong. So it was like early morning for him and it was like late night for us. And we just got to talking and um, turns out he's a professor and turns out, uh, you know, he works in creativity and innovation and uh, he's teaching a class in VR. And, uh, you know, we just got to talking and I was saying how, you know, I'm uh, really interested in those topics and I had applied to grad school and I was interested in um, understanding consciousness. And he's like, oh, consciousness, uh, how much time you got? You want to you wanna talk about that for like five minutes? Sure. So five minutes turns into an hour <laughs> and he basically unloads like his latest uh, theory of consciousness. Um, and, you know, we ended up connecting and uh, one of my friends that that had jumped in to build a burn to check it out that first night, like he's in grad school currently. And so he was talking to the professor and getting some advice about, you know, being in academia and things like that. But for me, that was like playa magic. Like the first night I had no intention and no expectation that I would have landed in Bilderburn, uh, landed there, ended up at the foot of the man and had an hour long conversation about consciousness with a professor from Hong Kong. Um, so that was, that was super special. And I was like, well, this is great. I'm definitely going to keep checking this out throughout the week. And then um, Sparkleverse, actually, it was good that I uh, signed up for that because they were really good at sending emails every day with like, hey, here's like a list of things happening on Playa. Kind of like the um, uh, who, where, when guide that you get when you, when you show up on Playa, right? And also similar to the who, where, when, who, what, when uh, guide. Um, it might say this is happening at 3 p.m. and you try to go there at 3 p.m. and nothing's happening uh, or it was shifted or something happened like that. So that was another interesting experience. But the day, I guess it was maybe like a Wednesday or Thursday, uh, since I'd been enjoying Build-A-Burn, I was building a camp. And I think I talked about this on my last episode with you, Stever. I wanted to play around with the idea of the best party, the political yes. party that puts on political parties. So I created the best camp which is the headquarters to the best party in Bilderburn. And it was super fun and super easy. Um, and then the very next day, I get an email from Sparkleverse, and I'm just skimming, scrolling through, seeing what's going on. And I see, oh, 10 minutes from now, there's a talk in the Sparkleverse by a group called the Decentralized Dance Party. And I was like, well, that sounds interesting. And so I jump in and by then Sparkleverse had, you know, fixed some of the technical issues. So it was a lot easier to basically go to the camp, click on the room, which is basically a link to a uh, protected Zoom room. And so then I joined like an hour long uh, talk by one of the founders of the Decentralized Dance Party. And that was another Playa Magic moment where I typed in the chat. The only reason I'm here is because I built this camp the other day talking about the best party. Then I learned that there's a decentralized dance party 10 minutes before it's supposed to start. Uh, and now I'm here listening to this and this is fascinating. And that was like an hour long talk that turned into like another hour, uh, separate, you know, talk afterwards, because someone else is coming into the main room. And, um, and then I learned that they were doing these decentralized uh, zoom parties every Saturday, and there was going to be one after the man burn. Uh, and I think after the temple burn as well, and was able to connect with some people there. And then like three days, three or four days later, when I was looking for something to do after the temple burned, I was like, oh, the decentralized dance party. And I jumped into uh, a Zoom room with like 30 or 40 people just going ham, going bananas to some great music. And I ended up there way longer than I thought I was going to be. But there are people from um, multiple time zones just in having a great time. And so those are, those are two examples of Playa Magic for me. Yeah. And there's one of the things that was really cool about the virtual burn is you could get people from all over the world. So I met a bunch of people from Australia in Bilderburn. I was just wandering around. They faded onto my screen. And they've never been to the burn because it's way far away, but they've always wanted to. This is their little taste of it. And, you know, we really hit it off. I talked to them all about the 10 principles. I gave them the URL of the podcast. And hopefully one of these days they're actually going to make the trek. And that's really cool. And who knows? Maybe they'll convince me to go down to Australia. Um, awesome. You know, by the way, while we were talking, I went ahead and pointed my browser at topia.io forward slash burn, and there did not appear to be anyone in the virtual, the, the, the virtual playa is still there, although the man has burned down, uh, yes. but the virtual playa is still there. And I went up to the sock and I clicked on the sock and there are four people in the sock drawer right now. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the sock drawer, the sock drawer lives on. <laughs> 
That's um, going to be an art piece at a future like on Playa experience. It's going to be an actual sock with like some directions stuffed in the sock to join a sock drawer somewhere uh, on Playa. That's, uh, yeah, the people are hanging out in the sock drawer versus Playa. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, to- totally, totally, totally. So the other thing, well, so so I, I had some serendipity. There was another time that I, I was in Bilderburn. So one time I went in, met all these people from all around the world. That was amazing. Another time I went in and I met some people from like a camp that I had visited last year. And I'm thinking, okay, of all of the people who might have been here, my little avatar came into existence right in this group of people who I know, really? Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was pretty improbable. And at one point I was talking with a bunch of people and this person popped in and I was looking at the person and I was like, man, that looks an awful, that person looks really familiar, except I'm not used to seeing them with like neat hair. They're, they're normally covered with dust and wearing, wearing clothes. And this looks like, you know, this looks like a librarian or maybe a 1950s businessman or something. And it was you. It was. I was wondering if we were going to bring that up. I forgot that, that, that. That that had happened, yes. Uh, that was another serendipitous moment where I just popped in, and right where I spawned in the in the world, there were like four or five people talking, and I immediately saw it was you, Stever, and I texted you. I think I took a, a screenshot of my phone and texted you it. Yeah. Um, and you didn't say anything, so I was like, oh, he doesn't notice. I'm just going to wait here. And I actually hit record on my computer, so uh, when I when I cut up this episode, um, I'll I'll drop in the little audio file of us. Uh, uh, meeting on on the virtual playa and build a burn and Stever noticing that I was there and then us going on a little mini adventure. Great. <laughs> My embarrassment laid forth for all to share. Your embarrassment, but your natural uh, uh, wonder at the at the synchronous moment there, which is uh, a, f- a fantastic moment to capture because I'm sure that happens. I'm sure it happened all over the place in the digital world and happens all the time in the in the Black Rock City. muted my computer and he doesn't know it yet, but uh, I'm about to uh, say hi to Stever on the playa with his playa name. We might have to bleep that out because I don't know how often he likes using his playa name together. Um, but I'm going to unmute because I'm in Build-A-Burn right now and we just happen to be on at the same time. So let's see what happens. Got them. And they have little titles like, you know, Floating Earth and their Remembrance. And you're supposed to pick eight because I... I, I you know, Bree stood the instructions at the beginning. You're supposed to pick eight. I seemed like I picked more than eight. And finally, it brought me out of the temple and into space. And it started showing me th- uh, different uh, offerings that people had left in the temple that I guess they wanted people to see and read. So I, I went through there a little bit. And then I had a friend come over and I, I got off of it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back before temple burn it for it around in there. But that was my experience with it. Did you, is, who, is someone who went through that and did the whole thing and then didn't have a friend to interrupt, did you see all eight offerings? Because I... I didn't get that far. Mine I, kind of, I, I went through three or four offerings and then it just took me away. Uh, I think I saw eight. I think yeah. I, went through, I went through eight of them, yeah. yeah. I, didn't. So I was like, hey, I'm not done yet. So I can see different offerings on the... If I pointed at them, I could see where they came from, and I could see like what camp. Um, There's nothing explicitly personal, if you want to put it that way, but it was definitely notified about where it came from. I saw a couple um, <clears throat> that seemed kind of personal, but then the audio file didn't work. So it was like, oh, listen to this message from my dad who had passed away, but I wasn't able to play it, but it was still touching the offering that was showing up. Oh, that's so That is you. <laughs> I was waiting, Herdus. I was waiting, Herdus. I thought I recognized you, but like you're not wearing Pyogarb. And I was like, surely he'd say hi if that was Evan. I was waiting to see if you would notice. Sorry. He cut. <laughs> I was pretty sure. He just texted me and uh, got it. 
You know, we had a someone write in to the podcast and ask for an example of some real life things we've been up to. They wanted some personal stories. And, you know, I, let me just say that, that some of the stuff that I get up to in Black Rock City is not things I want my mother to read about on the front page <laughs> of the New York Times. So that's one of the reasons I don't talk about them. But uh, I will say, let me share a, a story from the real playa. You mentioned the what, where, when guide a few minutes ago. Yes. And I usually arrive early arrival because I help set some things up. And when you arrive early arrival, at least as early as I come to the burn, gate is not open yet. Gate is, or, or the greeters aren't. The greeters are people who, if you come to Burning Man, not on the schedule that I come to it on, uh, the greeters greet you and they give you the what, where, when guide or who, what, where guide, whatever it is. The WWW guide. <laughs> uh, but I don't get that because I get in, I get in a day too early. So last year, I really wanted to get a WWW guide because I wanted to find out what events were going on and where I could, where I could see them, etc. So I went to the greeter station inside the city and said, hey, do you have a what, where, when guide? And they said, sorry, we don't keep them here. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't keep them here? This is the greeter station. Isn't that like the whole point? <laughs> and they said, no, if you want a what, where, when guide, you have to go all the way out to the real greeters. Now, in my mind, because I had always arrived at the city at, at 3 a.m., it seemed like it was a drive that was miles and miles long to get from gate to the city. Mm -hmm. But I figured, you know what? I don't have anything else to do. I have a bicycle. I'm going to ride out. So I ride, I ride down through A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K streets, and then boom, I'm out of the city. And there's like gate 300 feet in front of me. It, it was far, far closer than I had any concept of. And so I ride up to gate, and for some reason there were no cars there, so I just parked my bike, went off looking for somebody, and uh, this guy walks up to me wearing no clothes whatsoever, and he's like, hey, <laughs> can I help you? And I was like, well, I'm looking for a what, where, when guide. And he looks at me and he goes, $10. And I said, $10? What happened to gifting economy and decommodification? And he said, hey, you're outside the city, $10. <laughs> and I just looked him straight in the eye and said, I'll nude wrestle you for it. And he was like, what? And I said, I'll nude wrestle you for it, and I'm not going to give any guarantees as to where my hands are or aren't going to go. And he, he looked at me with an expression of sheer horror and handed me the what, where, when guide and said, here, take it, enjoy. And I was like, yes, sex positivity wins the day. You negotiated your way into a uh, quick, quick WWW grab. Nice. Exactly. Now the question is: Would that same negotiating technique work in business? And <laughs> I'm, I will leave it to our listeners to give it a shot next time you're negotiating for a raise. Try that with your boss. See what happens. Send us an email. I meanwhile yeah. will make sure that my actual accessible information is available nowhere on the internet because it's probably not going to work out very well for you. H HR will be all over that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, what about, and, and Stever, what about your uh, story about uh, going to the post office? Okay. So although I spent most of my time in Bilderburn, the other place was Altspace VR which I guess is altvr.com. And it's, that seems to be a genuine commercial platform. Uh, and by the way, Topio is going to become one, which is a whole other question, which I don't know that we want to tackle today, about yeah. how do you feel about things that are built for the burn subsequently becoming actual commercial products? Because there are some people who very much, I, I personally don't have a problem with it, but um, as, long as, as long as the products aren't marketed on the playa. Like, like mm. I don't have any problem with the playa as a source of creativity, but it's worth a discussion because there are some people who do feel very strongly about it. But yeah. I went to Altspace VR, and it's different from Build-A-Burn because with Build-A-Burn, what you see is the is people's actual webcam images. And in Altspace VR, you have an avatar, and the although you can customize the avatar, it very much looks like an avatar. And yeah, very cartoonish kind of. Yeah, and also very manipulative. Um hmm. I mean, it does things like make eye contact. When you're talking to somebody, it detects that and it starts to move the attention of the avatar and the head motions and even the eyes. Like, it's really kind of amazing. They've done a spectacular job in simulating the nonverbal kind of interaction that people have, except that it doesn't necessarily reflect what's actually going on. Mm. And, you know, and I'm not actually, you know, I'm not actually a, a handsome 23 year old with windswept hair which is what all the avatars look like. <laughs> so, 
so there was a there was a degree to which I found that a little bit off putting. Just mm-hmm. it, it made me feel a little weird. But that said, um, uh, and th- this was a world. It was a three D rendered world, so it was immersive. And if you had an Oculus headset and gloves, you could you could go around this world, manipulate stuff. I mean, it was a it was a full on world. I was using the two D client from a Macintosh. And I went. Uh, I, I I didn't really delve into it until Friday night, which was which was you know four days or five days after the event started, and it was a lot of fun. Now I mainly explored looking at the art because they have duplicated, they I, I they've duplicated a phenomenal number of art projects, and with most of them they so they had a big virtual playa which was actually built to scale. It was the same size as the playa oh. is, and. You could wander around it and encounter art projects. Um, and usually what would happen is you would encounter an art project and there would be kind of a simplified version of it on the playa. But then it would have a blue teleport hub and you go into the teleport hub and it takes you to a much more detailed rendered version of that project. Same thing with theme camps. You could go up to theme camps and then go through a portal and then boom, you're in a really rich, detailed rendered world that corresponds to that theme camp. And you know, some of them had clearly been just tossed together very quickly, but some of them, oh my gosh, like people recreated these amazing sculptures mm. in, in and temples. They had every man, uh, they had every man from Burning Man going back like twenty five years. Uh, they had every temple. I only got to explore a few of them. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it was really amazing. And at one point, I decided to go over to where I actually camp when I'm at Burning Man and I camp near three o'clock. So the the city is a circle and three o'clock is I mean you can you can think of it as due east from the man. And I went over there and sure enough they had duplicated the the plaza that's at three o'clock. It's called the three o'clock keyhole. And I clicked on the portal and it took me to the three o'clock keyhole and one of the things in the three o'clock keyhole is a post office. And I walked over to the post office and there was a portal to be transported to the real post office and I click on that. So at this point now, I'm like three clicks deep into the playa. I went to the three o'clock area, went into the portal universe. <laughs> now I've gone into the post office universe and I was not super expecting... In- super inception, just multiple levels down. Yeah, and, and I'm, like, I'm like, okay, who in the world else is possibly going to be here? Because, you know, it, this is not exactly easy to find. Uh, and I and I materialize, and sitting inside the post office is a clerk. And I walk up, and I'm like, "Are you a real person, or are you like some sort of <laughs> simulation?" She's like, "Oh, I'm a real person," and she's actually the person who mans the post office on the playa at the three o'clock keyhole. And we had this wonderful, like like half hour conversation. And as part of it, and this is again the Burning Man serendipity. It turns out that her father-in-law is an expert in uh, an area of interest of mine, and she's going to introduce us. And she's like, "He's like, yeah, he like, you know, knows more than anyone else." So, you know, here I go to the playa, three levels deep into this into this sub world where there's only one person in it, and it just happens to be a person whose father-in-law <laughs> is somebody who can connect with me. I'm just like, whoa! <laughs> and while we were there, more people kept popping in. Again, I have no idea how they find the place because I kept asking them who they were. And a lot of them weren't, weren't even burners. They had never, you know, they were exploring for the first time. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. I mean, I just had some, some great conversations there and, um, and, you know, again, really connected with people. So, so those were the two that I spent most of my time in. Build a burn was the first and then alt space VR. I watched the man burn in alt space VR where we all crowded around the virtual man and they had a screen mm which was broadcasting an actual live video feed from the real man burn. There were a few people, presumably with permission of the Burning Man organization, but who knows, who actually did go out to the playa this year and they burned a little man. And and by little, I mean, you know, only about 20 or 30 feet tall. Mm. And they broadcast that. And so here I was watching in virtual reality a video feed of real reality showing me the man burn. And <laughs> I'm like... This is very interesting. This is this is very inceptiony, but with a Mobius strip added in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I um I watched the man burn from the main. I think there was a separate URL for it, like Burn Night Twenty Twenty Live, and they were kind of cycling in and out different uh, pre-recorded videos of people burning different effigies around the world in safe ways, um, and also just like different submitted uh, 
short videos, documentaries, or like art pieces. Um, and then I think each time zone, like whenever it became like on the hour, they would uh, play like a clip of a man being burned from that time zone and until they got to the, I guess, 9 p.m. Nevada time, um, which is when they, they did the big one, which I actually missed the the main one. But it was just cool to see kind of the community and people still showing up for, for that piece. Oh, yeah, it was it was great. And that was one of the things, again, you know, the, the even even there. So I was watching the man burn in Altspace VR, but I had another browser tab open in Bilderburn. So one of the nice things about having a multiverse is you can be in multiple verses at once. And and one of the things that was really kind of cool was being able to educate the people in Bilderburn, the first-time burners, about mm-hmm. what the man burn signifies and how the next night is going to be the temple burn and the temple burn is this really solemn thing and and you you know you spend your time like really appreciating and letting go of things. It was it was really cool. Um and I think it was enough of an entree. I suspect there are a lot of people who are going to who will have investigated that and then the whole online thing and said, okay, I've got my Burning Man fix. This was cool, but you know, that was enough. I suspect there's gonna be a lot of people who are like, okay, that was pretty awesome. I want to go in real life. Yeah. And yeah, uh, definitely tickets will become even that much harder to get. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of tickets, and then maybe we can do some shout outs real quick uh, before we end this episode. But I, received something in the mail today. I don't know if you checked your mail today or, or if you're, if it's on its way to you as well. Have you opened your mail recently? No. What? Well, I can also save it for off recording if you want it to be a surprise or I can say it right now. I don't know. <laughs> Why don't you say it right now? Okay. It basically, um, to kind of conclude the experience, I had a unmarked envelope show up in my mailbox today and I opened it up and it is two things. One is a ticket that says multiverse on it. And the other is a, another small kind of um, index card sized thing that basically says, you know, we missed you. We look forward to um, uh, when we can all be together again. And I'm, I'm assuming it's from BM Orger, the Burning Man Project. Uh, and somehow when, when people maybe signed up for Kindling or one of their online things and you had to give your, your address... They collected that, and um, it was just a nice kind of uh, closure to get uh, for me today. So, I, so check check your check your mailbox in the coming weeks, Steve. It probably takes a while to send it out to everyone. I will definitely check that because yeah, 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 yeah. It was really well, sweet. It was nice. You know, there's a, there's a, that's a little minor thing that people may not know about is the tickets to Burning Man are themselves like works of art. Yeah, and and in fact, a lot of times you you want to, um, uh, you know, I I save mine and. And, and, you know, I, I almost, I almost wish that they would send me a ticket, one ticket that I could use for entry that I would carry with me. And then one ticket that I could just, just keep, you know, pristine because you actually have to physically carry the ticket out there with you. And of course, at the time, you know, if you do that, you're in some ways risking, in some ways you're risking disaster. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, keep an eye out for that. And then, yeah, maybe like, I just want to shout out like, you know, everyone who contributed to make this happen. Like, you know, it didn't, nothing had to happen because it was COVID and pandemic and people are dealing with a million things. But just shout out to everyone who felt inspired to still contribute to the community and um, the people who did the uh, all the kind of behind the scenes tech work. Like that is a lot of work, um, even when it's buggy and glitchy and like staying up late to, to make things um ever better throughout the week. The people who did the temple, the temple experience was great. Um, the, they the brought back a, yeah, it was like a really, they really hit the tone quite well, um, in a, in a virtual world. Um, so that was really, I enjoyed that. And then also the, uh, the talk to God phone booth, um, which I found last year and had a great experience with, went back multiple times. They, they turned that into a virtual experience and I thought they, they handled that uh, really, really well, and I was recommending that to a bunch of people. So, Daria, I think you recommended that to me. Someone recommended that to me, and I just totally forgot to do it. Yep. Well, that that's that's how it works uh, at Burning Man. <laughs> Check <laughs> this really out, does. and then any millions of other things come up. Uh, do you have any Do you have any uh, shout outs, uh, Stever, for like just other things that you came across? And obviously, we're not going to hit them all. It's just kind of like you know, job well done to 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 the people behind the scenes making this happen. Yeah, you know, I mean, I would say job well done across the board because yeah. 
like 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 Bilderburn was the best online conference experience I've ever had. Mm. And and this was done by two people in their bedroom using the Burning Man sensibility as their only guide. And they did a better job than these venture-funded billion-dollar unicorns in terms <laughs> of, of genuinely producing something that felt like a a conference experience. And and I really, you know, I I, I really want to emphasize that a little bit because one of the things we're really led to believe is, you know, money, 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 the more money you throw at something, you know, then, then it'll be good or it'll be better or whatever. And this company is funded with all this money. And I'm like, actually culture, thought, you know, consideration, those, those, these people started with a highly functional culture, the Burning Man culture. And they said, how can we recreate this culture? And their motivation was not to make a ton of money. Their motivation was, let's create a culture that we love. And interestingly enough, I mean, I certainly hope the platform makes a lot of money for them if, if that's what they choose to do professionally, because they really nailed it in a way that, in a way that no one else out there is nailing it. And, and, you know, and it's a simple platform. It's not, you know, it, it doesn't require $400 headsets or whatever. And yet it creates... It creates a, a kind of community that's just that's just wonderful. So, you know, totally. And and like for me, that that reinforces my kind of mantra these days, or at least the last two years, of like substance over style. You know, like you don't need a lot of money or super slick, you know, interface um, if you have the substance and the way to bring the culture and community together. And that's even true, like on Playa, with like yes, there there are amazing art pieces that cost a bunch of money. And are like spectacular to see and be a part of and experience. Um, like the 747 that they brought out, you know, they had to spend a lot of money, a lot of time planning that out. And that was amazing to see. But at the same time, like the temple is by and large the emotional epicenter of the entire experience. And that's just wood yeah. and like an interesting design. And it's a container for processing and meditation and grieving and joy and you know that's filled with just the simplest of trinkets or the simplest of uh marker writings on the wood and um some of the simplest art pieces can be the most profound uh you know with with just a little bit of a little bit of effort a little bit of style yeah absolutely so uh, just one more quick question, and then we probably should wrap up because, as usual, this has gone far longer than we were intended. <laughs> um, uh, what, what are your feelings about keeping these worlds – two questions, really. One, about keeping the worlds around after the end of the event, and the other is keeping the platforms around and commercializing them. Yeah, just to end on those quick ones. Um, yeah. I think keeping them around after the event, that's – interesting. My gut says that's okay, partly because a lot of the platforms existed before the event um, and the ones that were created for the event. Um, I mean, they could shut them down, but also like if it's uh, acting as a good container online and we don't know how long COVID is going to last or, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's worth keeping them around. Having said that, I do know that the temple experience um, all the offerings, the digital offerings that were made to show up in the temple, I believe they are deleting those files, not allowing them to be copied anywhere except for, I guess, the people who originally submitted them if they want them on their home hard drive or whatnot. Um, yeah, they're, they're actually and they're, taking them out of the cloud and putting them on like one hard drive encrypted only. Yeah, and I think, and then I think destroying the hard drive and making that into an art piece. Um, if we mentioned that on the last episode, but that, that was my understanding of what they're doing with it. And, you know, that's the temple and that's makes sense for the temple. Um, and it's kind of poetic in a sense that, you know, it makes me think of the, I think it's the like Tibetan Buddhist, uh, sand mandalas where they like make this beautiful creation. And then in the next moment after it exists, they like, you know, wipe all the sand particles away as a practice of the ephemerality of all things. Um, yeah. So like, you know, I could see it either way, but I guess my gut says, hey, it's okay to kind of keep these online communities around. And then on the monetization side, that does get a little tricky because, like, even the people who made Topia, like, anytime you have a digital product 
or experience that is actively used by people, you learn a ton. And yes, that was like a free experience. Um, but they learned a ton that can help them to shape, shape that product and, and kind of sell it. And so my kind of like social enterprisey brain would say, hey, a really cool thing to do with that is if you're going to monetize it, like figure out a business structure where you're a more than for profit or a nonprofit and like whatever money goes into it, like a portion of that goes to help fund, you know, Burners Without Borders or the Burning Man Project or like don't just turn into a purely for profit um, experience, right? Like keep it, keep it tied to some aspect of decommodification by saying, yes, it costs money to run servers. Yes, it costs money to, you know, put time and labor into building this out and extending features and quashing bugs and providing something for someone. But don't turn it into the classic Silicon Valley, uh, I'm going to grow this thing and then go public and blah, blah, blah. Like, do something yeah. interesting with it by contributing some of the revenue back to the community in some way. That, that'd be my two cents. I, I like the idea of contributing some of the revenue back. I also think in some ways, because they managed to capture such a good sense of at least the social culture, that you know, even if it's a for-pay product, it is bringing a little bit of, of that, hopefully bringing a little bit of that kind of culture out to the rest of the world. And, you know, that I think is good. And it's being done on a commercial basis because in the non-playa world, servers cost money. So, um, so you know, I don't really have a big problem with it as long as it's not sold on the playa or as long as Burning Man is not really used in the marketing of it. Um, uh, you know, and if they do contribute it to the burn in the future, it would be nice if they do so in a way that it, that is decommodified. You know, no logos, no whatever. Uh, although technically, every one of the virtual multiverses that had a platform that used some sort of platform, you know, I mean, they said you need an Oculus. That's commodification. This is alt space VR. That's commodification. This yeah. is Topia.io. So, you know, so in this particular case, the lines did get blurred somewhat. Um, so I guess, I guess when I'm in, when I am in real world commercial mode, I kind of don't mind it. But if I'm in burner mode, I don't want to see the logos. I don't want to see, you know, in burner mode, I don't, I, I want it to be a purely burner art, non-commoditized thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on that happy note, thank yes. you. It was, a, it was a pleasure running into you on the, on the e-playa. And uh, hopefully people who listen are going to check out the e-playa if there still is one by the time you listen to this. Just go to kindling.burningman.org, which was the jumping off page, and it'll probably be a nice page saying, ha ha, you missed it. You're going to have to come <laughs> next year. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, being able to connect post-burn uh, this year, Stever, and great running into you. We'll see you on the next one. See you soon. This was Burning Man According to Us.